Hello, my friends. Teaching dental teams how to think, not what to think. We begin our podcast right there. Welcome, all you wonderful dental podcast listeners to the My Practice, My Business Dental Podcast Show, where we help dentists profit and thrive with excerpts from the clinical business of dentistry training here at My Practice, My Business. We'll be addressing and answering questions with current trends dentists and their teams face each and every day in their pursuit of this wonderful career we call dentistry. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. I'd like to begin with my three decade long observations. For, for years, I've, I've seen dental teams, especially our front office team members, be told how to think by many in the dental profession. The quote, dictators of thought, unquote, list would include first line dental insurance representatives, of course, long term employees with master's degrees of status quo. Dentists themselves, dental school professors, dental consultants, dental supply representatives who consult on the side, and that list goes on and on and on. Is innovation and thought leadership encouraged within the ranks of your dental team? From the seasoned veteran down to the newbie of two weeks, do you encourage that? Do we challenge what we've been taught for years to prove it's still valid or or even was valid to begin with? Or do we just go along with information that might be misinformation? Examples I, I still hear today, which really make me cringe, is like, for one, CAD CAM technology isn't as good as dental lab technology. Every time I hear that, I just, I laugh. <laughs> Obviously, that individual... Uh, is making up an excuse not to get CAD CAM technology in their practice, and I get it. I, I used to do that. That's why I can call myself out as I call you out. Uh, second one is you can't charge an insured patient directly for better technology. Well, we know nothing could be further from the truth. It just has to be done in the right way. And then, of course, once a patient has periodontal disease, they always have periodontal disease. That's really weird. I didn't know that our bodies were, were made to maintain infection in them continuously throughout their entire lives. Now, you can't fix the damage done, per se, <clears throat> but you can uh, get rid of the infection and stop the disease process dead in its tracks. We just have to think outside the box. You have to be willing to change maybe your protocols, maybe... Maybe what we need to do is, is teach dental teams and ourselves how to think, not what to think. Well, there's others I could add to that list. Years ago, somewhere around the early 1990s, is, is where I began to see droves of misinformation begin to swell within the ranks of dentistry. I'm not talking about innovation per se. Uh, what I'm talking about is business practices taught as doctrine, especially in the dental insurance arena. But it didn't just start there. It also began with dentists being told by dental consultants to crown every tooth with a fracture on it. I know I sat in those meetings. I sat in those presentations. Or to do an indirect pulp cap on every filling. That's resurfaced its ugly head again here in the last few years. And, and that list goes on and on. All of us are students of dentistry. All of us. No matter where we are 
on the dental timeline. We go to courses, attend conventions, and attend seminars in hopes of, of learning something we didn't know before or possibly have forgotten over time. So what are we as students actually learning? Are we seeing a devaluing of dentistry in America today? That's a question that I think all of us need to, to keep an eye on, let alone ask ourselves. We know we are seeing a devaluing of America. Our children are not learning about the Constitution, let alone the type of government we actually have in the United States. And even worse, <clears throat> the roles and responsibilities of our institutions of local and federal government we have no clue about. Our children, I should say. Most of us adults, too. Should we be concerned when a dental insurance representative advises us to order crowns from offshore labs to cut costs of doing business? Or, or how about to join a DSO to cut administrative costs? Are we learning the only way to be profitable is to save pennies on dental supplies? Or my favorite statement from the professors of dentistry in many of our dental schools you need to join a DSO for several years before even thinking about becoming a solo practitioner. That statement really makes me question the quality of the dental curriculum being taught to our current dental students. Have you ever talked to a dental student and asked them what they're learning, how they're learning it, and what's going on in those schools? It's almost as if our institutions of learning, and dare I say our national and state dental associations, have taken a more globalist approach to the practice of dentistry. Can any of you tell me the last time you heard a dental professor encourage you or a student, when I'm saying you, to go solo after graduation? Or any of our associations seriously take the lead in battling dental insurance tactics and restrictions? I'm not talking about what I call token legislation, the kind that really doesn't put profitability in our practices and butts in chairs. I'm talking about going after downcoding and bundling and misleading EOBs. I'm talking about insurance practices and ne that negatively affect the doctor-patient relationship and other damaging tactics PPO plans tend to burden us with and affect our day-to-day -day business operations. One of our colleagues here in Utah, when asking our association leaders to do something about dental insurance restrictions, he was told to, quote, not bite the hand that feeds you, end of quote, in referring to third-party payers. That's a very concerning statement coming from an association that is there to protect the dentists they serve. Whenever we as solo dental practitioners try to focus on the delivery of quality dental care, dental insurance companies will focus on the negative aspects of unbundling, causing patients to pay for something twice, downcoding as a means for controlling costs to the public, Instead of promoting and educating to the patient the totality of the best dental experience a practitioner can provide. Dental insurance entities are attempting to bundle legitimate services we provide, declaring that unbundling is fraudulent and causing patients 
causing patients to pay for services twice. Nearly every procedure we perform has a cost of goods and direct operating costs associated, associated with them. The reality is this. Patients are not paying for many services the first time, let alone twice. Isn't that interesting? Dentistry cost shifts from fee-for-service patients to PPO patients all the time. What do I mean by cost shifting? Think about it. Who is more ethical, the practitioner who lists all charges of services rendered to the patient who received the actual dental care, or the dental insurance company who uses one description to define two or more services that you and I render? They're not paying for services twice. They didn't even pay for many of the services the first time. In our battle with House Bill 359, Tracy backed one of the major insurance players against a wall on a Zoom meeting. That was impressive. (laughs) Where she clearly stated how the insurance companies are being fraudulent with their bundling tactics. And dentists are actually the ones that are transparent by listing all services provided. He quickly backpedaled as she clearly beat him with truth. If dental schools are not educating their students with the latest in surgical techniques and materials and knowledge, that's a problem, a big problem. What's worse than that is not teaching the students how to charge and bill ethically, morally, legally, and especially profitably for the services they provide. In a conversation I had with a dental school professor a few years ago, regarding billing dental insurance for procedures performed, he said, quote, we teach our students to simply write off services that insurances won't cover. We feel it's the right thing to do, end of quote. I asked him, the right thing to do for who? And his answer was, quote, for society, end of quote. Spoken like a true socialist. I then asked him if he had ever been in private practice, and he said his practice is in the school. I quickly realized the rest of my questions, had I have asked them, would have been pointless. Our students are supposed to be taught what I call dental civics, or the right or duty of dental citizenship. But what I find is they're actually being taught activism, which is a policy or action of using vigorous campaigning to bring about political or social change. Our dental associations say they are teaching unity through membership, but what is that membership providing? Truly, why do many of the best thought leaders of dentistry, including past association presidents, condemn the direction of our associ- that our associations have taken. It's easy to find those articles. You can look them up. Why is membership continuing to decline? Why are dental schools, state and national associations not identifying the needs of the dentist and truly representing those needs? I don't believe traditional dental values are being taught anymore as 
has been discovered by my interviews with hundreds of colleagues across the nation. When dental students are discouraged from going into solo practice and instead hand-led to DSOs, I mean literally hand-led by them having lunch and learns and promoting them to join DSOs right out of school. When our state and national associations are driven by the dollar and not defending dentists on the front line, when dental insurance companies have voting positions within our national association, which trickles down to state levels, which can be seen by policies rendered, I'd say we are at a global financial interest and not dentistry's solo best interest. You simply cannot serve two masters. As a result, I'm seeing dentistry not as connected as it used to be. Association memberships are decreasing, which in turn are decreasing collectible dues, causing this wave of for-profit directives with state and national associations at every level. Just look how many associ- look at how many associations suddenly have supplies, amalgam separators. Look at all the advertising going on with companies that are being endorsed by the associations, which literally means that the for-profit side, our associations, are receiving profits. We are literally destroying the whole idea of, of what I call e pluribus unum from many one. If you ask a non-association member why they stopped paying membership dues and stopped being part of the association, they'll tell you. They'll say it's because the associations talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They don't represent the everyday dentist. I could list the reasons for several more minutes, but meaning they are not protecting the everyday dentist from the tyranny of third-party payers, and that's a problem. The second issue is this. What makes a good dental citizen? First, you need to ask what makes a good American citizen. That might help to start there. If you ask a college student that question, they'll say it's someone who exercises their right to vote. That's the generic answer all the time. So a good dental citizen should be someone who supports organized dentistry, right? That's what I've always thought, been taught, been told, told how to think. But what does that mean? Join organized dentistry? Just as the education system was once built on teaching all of us to be good citizens, which included faith, family, community, reaching the maximum of our potential, and contributing to society, meaning not being lazy. And dental education seems to be lacking on what makes a great solo practitioner. Where did that get disconnected? There are some dental schools that are trying to close the gap by offering a concurrent MBA program, and God bless them. But what about mentors? Isn't that something that the association should be engaged in? especially on the state level. When I graduated and started my own practice from scratch here in Salt Lake City, I was told by many that I would be filing bankruptcy within six months. Does that sound familiar to some of you? However, there was a dentist named Gerald who took me under his wing and mentored me. After one year, I was asked to mentor other dentists by Gerald, who was a state association officer and has been a great one since. And I did just as he asked me to do. Where 
are those programs. Do they still exist? Do they, do they no longer fit the narrative of what a state dental association is supposed to be doing for its members? To be a good American citizen requires more than just voting. To be a good dental citizen requires more than just holding office in the association or being a member. But when the association no longer represents the values and vision of its members, people will no longer support it. They simply will go into what I call survival mode. The idea of the collective, which associations preach all the time, will be dismissed when the associations no longer protect the dentist's livelihood so that the dentist can protect the place where they live. It's the protection of the workplace and home that is being dismissed with our current association culture. When our associations are financially supported by third-party payers, how can association members have unbiased representation? Dentists have been doing more for less since 2004. And that's, that's scientific fact. That's business statistical fact. And it's only getting worse. This is exactly the reason why Tracy and I were contacted this year by a group of Utah dentists to help pass a law to protect another group of patients that they take care of, that have been neglected by dental insurance plans in our state for years. My practice, my business success with House Bill 359, it was no mistake. It was won by nearly two years of investigative work and tens of thousands of dollars. I told the group of dentists that if they wanted to save money, which most Utah dentists always want to, that they should seek out help from our state association. They declined my recommendation like a rocket jet on wheels of our state association's help because of past experience and chose to run their legislation with us here at MPMB and our lobbyists. The socialistic idea of the association collective to introduce a bill was not an option for these Utah dentists. And at what stage did the association lose trust with these dentists and why? I don't have that answer completely yet, but it will surface in the near future as we continue to talk with them. The last one I'll mention is critical thinking. This group of dentists who came to us for a law change here in Utah are critical thinkers. The ability to think critically is freedom at its best when we're not just led around by our noses and told what to do. These dentists are running with a private company, MPMB, us, instead of a politically controlled state association. It was James Madison that said, free thinking is essential to liberty, knowledge is essential to liberty, and without it, you're going to lose liberty. When Tracy and I battled the dental insurance companies on behalf of Utah dentists, we exercised our liberty and our free thinking is what won nearly every battle with them. Do you, do you think for one minute our association leaders know and understand what we face on the front lines of dentistry? I think sometimes they become disconnected. Not when their thought leadership is endorsed by the phrase, quote, don't bite the hand that feeds you, end of quote, 
regarding those third-party payers. And certainly not when they have a fiduciary interest in the leasing of codes to third-party payers for remuneration. Is it any wonder why past association leaders have spoken out against the direction of our associations? Again, I want to emphasize you can't serve two masters. Here we are today creating a system of let's just give the answer the association tells us to give. (laughs) Dental students feel compelled to just regurgitate what the professor tells them as doctrine instead of questioning, questioning what they're taught or questioning what to do. We should just do what the insurance companies say or tell us to do. In other words, let's just obey and comply instead of thinking rationally. We've certainly seen a lot of that in our nation over the last two years. Madison had it right. Liberty is the state of being free within society from oppression, oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life behavior, or even our political views. Third-party payers have become the opposite of liberty. This is why Tracy and I battled here in Utah against them. Instead of obeying and complying, as our association uh, associations tend to do, we explored topics, had uncomfortable discussions and conversations with our PPO friends. That's right. We got right in with the enemy. We organized ideas for change and came up with concise arguments that will now have a lasting positive impact on every dentist in our state and the patients they serve. My friends from other states, copy what we've done. Tracy and I crushed and will continue to crush the misinformation that has plagued our profession for years. If someone comes to us and argues for the collective of socialistic control of our dental profession, we will argue for capitalism. And when dentists only want to chase the almighty dollar, we will remind them and argue the point of serving others. You see, we will teach both sides and let them come to the conclusion with their own knowledge. However, if dentists can't be profitable, they become financially hard-pressed to serve others. And that's the problem. And if they are not taking care of themselves and their teams, we're going to help them understand how to be profitable with insurance contracts, let alone their own fee-for-service fees. That's what we do. We'll help them understand their dental rights with their state laws and how state law supersedes contractual law most of the time, except for self-funded plans, but there are still ways to be profitable with them. And my practice, my business, you guys, it's not our role to indoctrinate dental teams on issues. It's, it's to get them to think about the issues when running their dental practices, or, or dare I say, their dental businesses. We don't teach dental teams what to think. We teach them how to think. We, and that comes with educating them in what we call the clinical business of dentistry. After we train a dental team, they become plenty capable to battle dental insurance companies on their own because they obtain the knowledge to do so, the truth to do so. We help them release the status quo that plagues so many of us. They quickly learn how to think outside the box where liberty exists instead of 
what to think where servitude impedes our thought leadership. And they obtain the business knowledge to be profitable again, just like we were years ago, before our dental liberties were taken from us by dictatorial third-party payers. The blessings of liberty came to all of us with a price. That liberty is being challenged in our very profession. Hopefully, we can speak up and defend that liberty with our association's support in the coming years. That's my hope. Hopefully, they will earn our trust by their intrinsic actions and not the superficial activity that so many of us have experienced over the years. Well, I guess time will tell. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being with us today. To learn more about our guaranteed, no-risk clinical business of dentistry training that is changing dental practices for the better, just go to our website, mypracticemybusiness.com, and surf our pages for additional information about our company. When you're ready, give us a call and get scheduled for the best training you'll ever experience. Those are the words of our clients, not us. Our mission statement is simple. We increase the net revenue of dental practices with our key methods, tools, and training utilizing everyday need-based dentistry. We believe that there's never been a more important time than now for dentists to know what we know, and that is, one, how to compete with Retail America, two, how to be profitable with dental procedures, especially those performed on patients with dental insurance plans, three, how to place oral health care at the forefront of patients' discretionary spending, and four, how to ethically, legally, and morally be paid fairly for the services you provide. All of us here at My Practice My Business know exactly how to help you implement each of those talking points and more with our key methods, knowledge, and training. Our clients' testimonies say it all. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon at the My Practice My Business training facility located in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us. Thank you again and have a fantastic day.